Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, and so glad that you've been bearing up under all the weather, at least for our California listeners. And uh, the, the rain totals, remarkable. The snow totals, spectacular. All up and down the state. Of course, the Bottom Line Show is headquartered at KBRT, our flagship affiliate, uh, AM 740 in Southern California and Orange County, and AM 1240 in San Diego. So just taking a look at some of the... Uh, the notes here are really remarkable. By the way, today is Movie Monday, and we're going to do a slightly different twist on Movie Monday as we have a guest who's going to join me to talk about a movie, but also to talk about a new book she's written, and we're going to give away copies of the book that she's talking about and also some movies to watch. And boy, with the weather, um, <laughs> the weather being what it was, I know over the weekend, Lisa's been battling a... Uh, a flu bug and so we wound up renting something over the weekend and uh, it was a lot of fun we watched war room actually at least i'd never seen it and so fun to revisit that one after eight years and and uh, get a chance to see the kendrick brothers in action doing their thing but i know when you think of the over the past five days these are just southern california totals and they're pretty spectacular i mean that <laughs> it's just, you know the 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 typical damage that you'd have when there's wind and rain and snow uh, power lines down, trees knocked over, cars crushed. I mean, it, it's been happening like crazy for the past five days. There's a second set of storms on the way today and tomorrow. Um, it won't be as bad, obviously, as what we've seen. But, you know, it's all, the, uh, my buddy Jim Burns likes to say, crisis is self-defined. So sometimes, uh, you know, one man's snowstorm is another man's uh, snow day. And so uh, toward that end, this this is just the raw statistics for Southern California. And I know our Colorado listeners are going, yeah, okay, we've, we've seen this all the time. We haven't, okay? So give me a break here. Um, but first of all, let's take a look at the rain totals because the snow totals are pretty remarkable. Well, I mean, let's do the snow first. I mean, some people are taking snow days. Um, Apple Valley at half an inch of snow, so what? Bloomington at half an inch of snow. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, Rialto had a, uh, had a, oh, these are inches or foot, feet, uh, inch of snow, had one inch of snow in Rialto, one inch of snow in Fontana. That's remarkable. We talked about how the snow levels in California were getting a little slower, or lower rather. Uh, Fontana, I mentioned that one inch, two inches in La Crescenta. How about Yucaipa? Love to go to Yucaipa and the Oak Glen area and go up and look for apples and stuff like that. Four inches of snow over the past five days. Now for the ones that everybody really pays attention to. Um, Snow Valley had anywhere from 78 to 90 inches of fresh powder. Mount Baldy, 77. Mountain High had 93 inches of fresh powder. Uh, Lake Arrowhead, 68. Arrow Bear Lake, 65. Crestline Yard had 63. Uh, Mount Wilson. Oh, my goodness. Mount Wilson had 40 inches of snow. Mount Wilson had 40 inches of snow. Uh, it's interesting how the rain and the snow kind of uh, piled up. But then when it comes to the rain totals, this is over the five-day period from last Wednesday through yesterday. And I'd be curious to find out, you know, as a matter of fact, drop me a line uh, at the roger at thebottomlineshow.com and let me know what you thought of the weather, how it impacted you positively, negatively, or whatever. Um, the top rain totals for Southern California Number one, Woodland Hills, almost 11 inches of rain in five days. Uh, Stunt Ranch, 10.15. La Cunada, Flint Ridge, just over nine. 
Newhall had eight inches. Eagle Rock Reservoir had eight. Uh, Pasadena also had eight. And East Pasadena had just under eight. The San Gabriel Mountain, 7.76. Sepulveda Canyon at Mulholland Drive, 7.85 inches of rain. The San Gabriel Dam and the Hanson Dam each just had over seven inches. Uh, the Santa Ana Mountain, Silverado Canyon, 5.55. Topanga Canyon had seven inches. Canoga Park, seven and a quarter. Cucamonga Canyon, 5.4. And there's some good uh, snow up there, too. Coldwater Canyon, 5. Cal State San Bernardino had four and a half inches of rain. Cucamonga Basin had four and a half. City of Santa Ana had four inches of rain. Lower Silverado Canyon, also four. The Villa Park Dam, just under four. And Cotto had just under four inches of rain. Um, amazing. Hopefully you were not badly displaced by the weather. Heavenly Father, thank you for the rain. Thank you for the weather that we've had of late. And uh, we know, Lord, that you provide for us. What's interesting, um, of course, about the times that we're living in is how the number of people who find themselves, uh, you know, looking at this area and still saying, well, it's a drought. You know, it's a big time drought, 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 drought. When we know that you have provided the means for us not only to have the good weather that we need to survive in this basically a desert with an ocean right next to it, but also, Father, to, to store that water. And if you provide the means and we have the know-how and we don't act on it, then shame on us. Father, thank you for your goodness. Uh, in rain, sleet, snow, shine. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer for needing that, uh, that good weather that we've had recently, which is nice and sunny. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, the rain has been a big help. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And all God's children said, Amen. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you think about what happens to, uh, you know, the, the areas that are hit by the weather. And I know a lot of people have been looking at this as, you know, kind of a, a bit of a challenge, especially if you've ever seen anyone who's displaced. Um, you know, the homeless factor obviously uh, gets ratcheted up quite a notch. And, uh, and our heart of compassion goes out to people who are, uh, you know, looking for uh, housing, uh, shelter. At the same time, you know, we, there's, we are in the strangest housing market we've seen in 20 years, 30 years, maybe 40 years. Check, for example, San Diego County. I was reading this in the Union Tribune over the weekend. Um, San Diego single-family homes are more expensive and more difficult to find now than ever before. It's interesting because there's a lot of stuff going on in the market right now. When you look at the real estate market and you hear people saying, okay, well, interest rates are up, inventories are down, prices are falling, drama, drama, drama. And you might think, okay, well, we're heading for another recession as far as the housing crunch goes. But don't look at that too quickly right away because what has changed dramatically in the housing market is that the market tastes have changed uh, fewer people who have single family older homes um, are putting them up for sale uh, San, Diego, San Diego County for example number of people putting old homes for sale in San Diego County, County has slowed dramatically however that doesn't mean the demand for housing isn't strong, and it doesn't mean that the demand for housing is pushing prices up. In 2023, 
you know, we were told when the go-go uh, market was happening, everybody wanted new homes. And so new home building was at an all-time high. Interest rates were at all-time lows. People were selling their, their homes and getting into the market and a bigger home or they were buying for the first time. They were doing whatever they had to do. Um, and then came the increase last year in interest rates and the interest rates started going up in January of 2022. I, I, we refied our house at three and an eighth in January 2022. Good luck getting six and an eighth right now, right? Maybe seven and an eighth. I mean, the rates are really high. But it's amazing how the rates went up, so that drove the demand for existing homes down because fewer people were selling because they didn't want to get into it. Maybe they had a good loan and they didn't want to get into a higher interest loan even if they did move and property taxes would be higher anyway and et cetera, et cetera. So it's true, fewer older homes are being or existing homes are on the market but younger buyers want new homes and if the demand for new homes is strong because the supply is down then that's going to keep prices up does that make sense for example a group of real estate developers uh, gave information to the san diego union tribune about the number of 2023 homes that they will be building in the area and the survey said they will build less than 1,000 new single-family homes in san diego county now what does that mean the last time the number was that low was in 2009 in 2009 we were in the middle of the one of the greatest recessions we'd had since the great depression because of the uh the subprime lending scandal there were 1706 single-family homes brand new built in 2009 that was the lowest total in the last 20 years up to that point. And now San Diego developers are saying they're only going to build, they might build 1,000 new homes this year. By the way, that means that most of the new homes that are built brand new are going to cost a million dollars or more. So you see what a weird kind of funky situation we're living in here as evidenced by what's going on in San Diego. Certainly strange days indeed. And yet, this is the time when more and more people's hearts are being touched by the gospel of Christ at the revivals that we see all over the place. We see a movie like Jesus Revolution opening at the box office this past weekend, coming in third behind Ant-Man and that cocaine bear movie. Uh, yeah, bear gets a hold of apparently cocaine and gets high and next thing you know starts wreaking havoc. They call it a horror comedy. And then Jesus Revolution shows up with the whole birth of Calvary Chapel and the Greg Laurie's ministry, and, and it comes in third, a solid third place showing. It's an excellent film. People are looking for encouragement, and that's one of the things that Kelsey Grammer, the star, he plays Pastor Chuck Smith. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer plays Ch Pastor Chuck Smith in the movie Jesus Revolution, and he says, you know, the reason he was drawn to this project, not only is it give him a chance to do a faith-based film, which he really wanted to do, <clears throat> but he also said, hey, I mean, people this reminds me of the late 60s early 70s where we were talking about love and love and people talked love all day long but then when it came down to actually living it out they were fighting with each other and wars and bombs and then the jesus revolution showed up and people really did start living <laughs> that that love out um lots of people being angels to other people being you know the vessels of christ in a fallen world. Roma Downey knows a thing or two about angels. You remember her playing Monica in the television series Touched by an Angel. Uh, she and her husband Mark Burnett 
two great people of faith have two new projects they're going to talk about with us. Well, actually, Roman's going to join us on the other side of this break to talk about a brand new book and a brand new movie. The book is called Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Roma Downey joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Well, a special book has just now hit the, I want to say the bookstores, but it hits everywhere. The books are available. And it's something that, especially during this Lenten season, I know a lot of people are looking for devotionals, looking for ways to kind of have a more meaningful experience. So why not have a devotional about angels written by a woman who has uh, quite the history in the media of portraying one? Uh, Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way is the brand new book from Emmy-nominated actress, producer, and New York Times bestselling author, Roma Downey. And she joins me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about this new book. Roma, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be speaking with you today, Roger. Well, let's talk about this. I mean, because I mean, obviously because of the success of Touched by an Angel, people have that uh, connection with you. But they, you know, oftentimes when you hear you know, someone speaking who's been a part of a, a show like this, you know, there's that the faith connection is just automatically assumed. Talk about why this devotional book was so important to you, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world about how important it is for encouraging people to remember you may be being an angel to somebody without him being aware of it. Well, I think that's so true. I mean, I really got the idea to write this book from spending a little bit of extra time on social media over the pandemic. You know, we were all locked indoors and we were all disconnected from friends and family. And, um, and I found myself uh, looking to connect with people on social media and was amazed, really, at the amount of unkindness that I experienced on there. Right. And I thought, gosh, what has happened to our world? You know, what has happened to people that we seem to have lost even the most basic graciousness in talking to each other? You know, and uh, and then you add to that that we're, you know, that there was just a sort of mean spiritness. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring and mm-hmm. to write a book, really, that was promoting encouragement and promoting kindness and if nothing else just reminding all of us to to be love and light to each other and to and you know and you're absolutely right as we come into uh, approaching the beginning of Lent and we're all looking to sort of reset our hearts and anchor ourselves again to 
to prayer and to just a moment of reflection. I find I do my best praying in the morning, Roger. So, but wherever mm-hmm. that shows up for people, these were just. Um, it really it was just lessons from my life, anecdotes from my life, things that mm-hmm. I've learned along the way, uh, things that you know, things that I've lost, things that I've loved, and lessons learned from them. And I thought perhaps if I sat down and wrote about them that there might be some value in what I've learned that maybe would help you. And then each chapter ends with a be an angel suggestion, because mm. I think it's one thing to say, I believe, I believe yes. in God, or another thing to say, I love you. But these words really are verbs, or should be faith and love. How do we put that into action for each other? So the book was written really as a reminder that we belong to each other, and uh, and to connect us to each other through acts of kindness and tenderness. I love that. Uh, Roma Downey with me today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book just out is called Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. The, the, the entry that struck me the most with regard to kindness was the fact that people have such low expectations of other people anymore. And when you talk about exceeding expectations and listening to somebody else's stories, I thought, you know, there was a time when my grandparents, my mom and dad are 90 now, but I was recently going through some old things of theirs and looking at all the friends and all the people that they used to hang out with at church and other places. And they just used to spend time talking to each other. I mean, they knew each other's stories. They knew what was going on. Did you get the sense, Roma, as you were kind of scouring social media, especially during the pandemic, that fewer and fewer people were actually listening and more and more people were spending too much time lecturing? I think so. I think that we've, I think listening is an art, Roger, that Mm. we seem to have lost. I think, you know, I, I find that people sometimes are so busy thinking about what they're going to respond that they actually haven't even heard what you said, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I know that from my years on Touched by an Angel, because if any of your listeners ever saw that show as the angel Monica, I spent a lot of time listening. And it taught me a lot as an actor, too, you know, because actors sometimes are learning their lines and they're just hearing the other line. They're waiting for their cue to speak. But as the angel, you know, it, I was brought in to, to help someone at a crossroads, an emotional crossroads in their life. And um, and usually they were having some sort of moment where they, you know, they felt helpless or hopeless and they called in the help of God. And then as an undercover angel, I was able to reveal that, in fact, I wasn't a school teacher or a shop assistant or whatever mm-hmm. I had been uh, pretending to be on any right. given week. I was, in fact, an angel sent by the Almighty. But most of the episode, I was called on to listen, to listen with my heart, not just with my ears. And I think it taught me a lot in that decade. Also, I learned a lot on that show from the magnificent, one-of-a-kind and beloved Della Reese, who mm. was my mm-hmm. co-star for all those years. And yeah. the relationship that we had on screen was very much reflected in our friendship off screen. I mean, we just delighted in each other. I remember the very first time I met her, uh, I had already started filming and she was brought in. We filmed the pilot episode of Touched by an Angel in Wilmington, Mm -hmm. North Carolina. And I was brought into the hair and makeup trailer to, to, I wanted to go in and introduce myself to her because she and I were going to be partners in crime. Uh Uh, And I put up my hand kind of politely just to say I'm so pleased to meet you and hello and she looked at my hand she said what is that I I don't (laughs) shake hands baby Uh I'm a hugger 
Mm. She just took me and wrapped me in her arms. It was like she Love wrapped it. me in her angel wings. Uh-huh. And I can tell you, I, 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 having spent many, many hours of my life wrapped in those arms, there was no safer place in the world to be than in the arms of Delarie. She was a, a blessing long after the show ended. Uh, Della uh, remained, uh, you know, uh, one of my nearest and dearest friend, she was as if a mother to me in my mm. life, and I loved her so much. So, you know, that was great. We had a, a marvelous time being on that on that series, you know. And I I just felt so blessed, really, to be the the messenger, to be able to have the privilege of sharing God's message mm-hmm. of love. Uh, to at its height, we had over twenty five million people mm, would tune wow. in on Sunday nights to watch Touched by an Angel, which is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I don't know if you could even get a TV show like that on network television anymore. True, uh, it, true. there was a boldness to it at the time. You know, I don't know that any of us. You know, it was all God that it did so well. We were just mm-hmm. the, we were just the messengers. But it was a marvelous time in my life. And of course, from then and and since then, you know, I just have had such an interest in angels and in in the different ways we can be used in our life. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not saying we are angels. It's really more like be like an angel, you yes. know, because mm-hmm. we, we we be like an angel to someone today. It may be you who needs the angel tomorrow. You know, right. we right. are a community, and we need to hold each other up. You know, there's. One scripture that speaks of, you know, of Moses and Joshua, and the, and he's holding his arms up, and he, as, only as long as he can hold his arms up, right? Will will the, you know the battle work in their favor? And they stepped up one after another to hold his arms up, and you know it always so touches me. And when I see, you know, I think, you know, we can just so learn from that how we work together, how we can. Mm-hmm. You know, just look out for each other, I think. It's as really as simple as that. My daughter, Riley, who's now 26, you know, when I was telling her about the idea for the book, because I was raised by an Irish Catholic father, who used to say, anytime we were bored, he'd say, well, get up and go out and do something for somebody else. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, you know, he was filled with those sorts of things. Or if you, if you were moaning or saying something about somebody, he would say, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing. Mm. And so, you know, so she's kind of been raised by, you know, my father lives on through these things that I remember. But she said to me the other day, she says, Mom, I love you, but you're so corny. She said, you really are such a corny mom. And it's oh. like, I'm true. I own it. I am a bit corny. I know that. But, you know, some of those old sayings and old thoughts that were handed down from generation to generation were profound because they were true. You know, Mm. and I think, you know, if we want to see change in the world, it has to begin in each and every one of us. Words have power. We have power in our words to encourage or to show love and kindness in the same way that we have power in our words to hurt and destroy. And believe me, as an artist, my whole life as a creator of content, it's hard to create. It's easy to criticize. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. I just think we need to choose what we say more you know with much more intentionality and um, and so my book be an angel really is about that it's to start each day or whenever you take a moment to yourself it's not a book that you necessarily have to read cover to cover it's not written in any kind of lofty way i wrote it in a very conversational way i imagined i was sitting down to have a cup of tea with somebody maybe somebody who had experienced loss as i have 
or someone who's experienced disappointment in life, as indeed I have. Listen, haven't we all? And mm-hmm. I was just yes. trying to be in a conversational, easy way just to, to offer some sort of comfort and words of support and some beautiful scripture in there that's apropos to each section. And listen, I think it's the kind of book, Roger, you could just open up randomly and that mm-hmm. maybe that chapter would just be of value to you. Or, you know, if you're uh, if you have a bit more discipline and you want to sit down each day and just read a chapter, maybe it'll just help you on your faith walk, you know, and help you feel a little bit closer to God. Amen. Amen. Well, Roma Downey, this is a great book, and we are so encouraged to have this conversation with you. Uh, Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way is the name of the brand new book from Roma Downey. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Roma Downey, my guest today here on the program. You remember her for her role as Monica in Touched by an Angel. Of course, she and her husband, Mark Burnett, uh, great uh, movie producers as well as writers. Roma has a brand new book out that we're talking about today. It's called Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And this is kind of cool. I mean, this is currently number 255 of everything on Amazon right now. It is selling very, very well. We have not one but two copies of this book to give away. Would love to place one in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, today is Movie Monday. And Roma's going to talk about a new movie of hers coming up next. But because it's Movie Monday and we do not have any movie tickets to give away necessarily, anyone who wants to call 800-227-5278 and ask for any of the movies that we have on hand. We have six copies of the DVD of the Gospel of John, two copies of the DVD of the Gospel of Matthew. We even have a three-pack of the first three Kendrick Brothers movies. So you're going to get Flywheel, Fireproof, excuse me, Facing the Giants, uh, Fireproof, and Courageous, I believe, all in one package. Call for your free movie here on Movie Monday. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Too much good stuff today here on the Bottom Line Show. My conversation with Roma Downey talking about her brand new book, Be an Angel, uh, that continues on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys, and I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States God is going to work all them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him for guidance on what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. 
Roma Downey is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marshall, brand new devotional book. Well, it's a devotional book, or you can just read it straight through if you want. 52 different entries, so you can read it weekly, or you can take it day at a time all the way straight through. It's called Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Roma, I appreciate the fact in the opening segment, you did mention the fact that you're not telling people, go be an angel, as in, you know, we know what I, the angelic forces look like in scripture, but rather to uh-huh. use use that kind of uh, the, the principles that you learned when you were on the program Touched by an Angel and you and your husband, Mark Burnett, have produced films and written books now in the years since then that really do magnify the Christian faith. One of the sections that you have, I think, is key for the times that we're living in right now, and that's one on forgiveness. And I get the sense that even in the church, sometimes we are holding on to grudges a little longer. We're not as willing to either give or even receive forgiveness. And yet you've got a couple of entries that are very powerful in there. Talk about what you were trying to accomplish in terms of writing these little vignettes, if you will, about the importance of forgiveness. Well, you know, I think that um, it's always good for, for each of us to be reminded that that the action of forgiving doesn't necessarily say that whatever you know hurt was caused to you is right. Right. It's not right. saying that it was okay that somebody did that. And I think sometimes we get a little confused around that. You know that, you know, we're uh, really the the gift of forgiveness is a gift of your own, because you sort of you know you're you're able to free yourself of whatever it is that binds you. We had um, some years ago. Um, I uh, was the executive producer on a remake of the of the uh, very famous movie Ben-Hur. Mm. And um, and there was a scene in there where Judah Ben-Hur meets Jesus as he's on his way to the cross. And he remembers a kindness that um, from a, earlier in the film. It's a really beautiful scene. He goes down to give Jesus some water and the Roman soldier kicks him away. And instinctively, uh, Judah Ben-Hur grabs a, a stone as if to hit the the Roman soldier with, and Jesus uh, grabs his hand and he says, "I'm going to the I'm going to the cross of my own free will. Mm. Don't you know? Don't." And we see Judah Ben Hur follow him up to the hill at Golgotha, and he hears from the cross, you know, Jesus saying, "I forgive, forgive them. They don't know what they do." And in that moment, we, the audience, see Judah Ben-Hur understanding because he has been corrupt with the anger that he holds towards his own brother. And Mm -hmm. it's just a simple moment in our film, Roger, but the camera cuts and you see he's still holding the rock at the cross. Mm -hmm. But the minute minute he hears Jesus offer forgiveness and that grace touches his heart, he drops the rock, Mm. symbolic of him finally able to forgive all wrongs, and they were huge wrongs that were done to this character in the film. And so I just, you know, encourage your listeners, for anyone who's holding on to a rock, anyone that's holding on to something, if our Lord and Savior can, hanging from a cross, forgive the people who've murdered him, you know, then who are we to hold on to the rocks, you know? So just to find ways to loosen it, you know, and I, I offer in the book because it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, I want to forgive, but how do you forgive if you've been so hurt? Mm-hmm. And what I'm encouraging is at the very least, take it to God in prayer, because the minute you set that intention in prayer and say, God, 
I want to be able to forgive so-and-so for what they did to me, but I don't know how to. Please help me. Mm. You know, it begins. I think, it, I think it begins there. And God will help you, you know. He will help massage your heart. He will help heal your heart. And, uh, and the importance for ourselves to let go of the rock, because ultimately it's ourselves that we're hurting because we kind of shut down parts of our own heart, heart, heart mm-hmm. I think. And we want to have all parts of ourselves available right. to love and to be loved. You know? Amen. Amen. Uh, so that was, uh, that was something there. You know, I grew up in Northern Ireland, Roger. I grew up in a time of turmoil. There was great violence on our streets. There was chaos. There was injustice. You know, we read to hate in our community. And uh, I'm so grateful that I had the father I had and my dad, Paddy Downey, God rest him, mm. because he just encouraged us always just to, to remember that we were all, we all belonged to each other. We were all children of a good and loving God and that we, you know, that we just, just to to be kind was was how he led with his kindness, mm-hmm. and you know they say we become our parents, don't they? Yes, you know? yes. I'm sure he'd be like he'd be sitting up in his grave today, just smiling. You know, for Aww. all the times he took me aside and encouraged mm-hmm. me to be kind. I've written a book encouraging others to be kind. You know, and so that. in this way, parents never pass through the. Yeah, you're honoring your father's legacy, and it's such a, a beautiful sentiment yeah. that you share. Roma Downey is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Be an Angel is the new book, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way, perfect for this Lenten season, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Only have a couple minutes left in our conversation, Roma, and I know that in addition to books, which you mentioned at the start of our conversation, are very laborious, and that whole process can take a lot of time. Not only is this new book coming out, but I understand you have a film project that's about to be released as I well. I do. I have a new a new film, Roger, that I've produced uh, for Amazon Prime that will come up just before Easter, and it's called On a Wing and a Prayer, and it's mm. a marvelous true story of a family of faith that get on a small private plane in Fort, Fort Myers, Florida, to go to Louisiana, and there's just the, the mom, the dad, the two kids. Dennis Quaid plays the dad, Heather Graham plays the mom, and oh, nice. while they're mid-air, while they're already in the air, the only pilot on the plane dies of a massive heart attack. Oh, and no. it's an extraordinary story of courage, of miracles. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's you know, I, I, I don't want to give too much away, but obviously right. I, I make content that's triumphant and hopeful. But yes. um, uh, I'm so excited. It's going to be on uh, Amazon Prime in time for Easter. And again, it's Excellent. called On a Wing and a Prayer. So last year was a very busy year for me. I was working hard. You know, all of, again, a movie, it takes a, um, it takes a village to make a movie. Great director, Sean McNamara, a great team of people. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, and then there's Harvest, you know. And so uh, this is a, a very exciting first quarter for me. As Excellent. my book will will be out, and my and my new film will be out, and um, anybody looking for more information on that can just follow it. Follow me on you know on on my social media, where you will be guaranteed a cup of kindness. Hey, um, I I, love I that. chose to use my social media to you know to spread a little bit of love and light too, and so. Yes. I'm very partial to, you know, nature shots. I usually add a little bit of scripture or an inspirational mm. quote 
And uh, and I just think, you know, each day, just to make sure I don't go through the day without posting something that maybe will touch somebody's heart somewhere. Um, so corny mom strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Well, you could keep being corny all you want with bottom line listeners because we love your books. We love your television and movie projects. And uh, we'll be sure to link everything up at thebottomlineshow.com. Roma Downey, the brand new encouraging book, Be an Angel, a Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Roma, always a pleasure. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. All the best now. Bye. Great conversation and a fantastic new book. Thanks to Roma Downey for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about her new book called Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Not one, but two copies of this book to give away as well. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Roma mentioned that new movie that she's got coming out uh, during the Easter season, during Lent here, and we don't have copies of it. We don't have tickets yet, but we do have movies to give away here on Movie Monday. I've got a half dozen copies of the DVD of the Gospel of John, a great resource to use, especially during Holy Week. 800-227-5278. Got a three-pack of the first three Kendrick Brothers movies, which you are absolutely going to love uh, in their entirety. 800-227-5278. Or any other movie we have around. You're welcome to have that as well. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And on the other side of this break, uh, remembering a great man of God, a great man of faith, and a great man of science too, Dr. Michael Heiser, who recently uh, went to be with the Lord uh, after a battle with cancer. Uh, we're going to revisit one of our, my conversations with him coming up next as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls for a copy of Roma Downey's book, Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have two copies we're giving away today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, uh, it was two weeks ago, no, it was a week ago today that uh, Dr. Michael Heiser left us. This is a guy who uh, was just a remarkable man of God, a great man of faith, and combining the ancient texts with the supernatural and teaching us about how God operates in the culture today. Dr. Heiser passed away just a week after his 60th birthday after being diagnosed with a very aggressive form of pancreatic cancer. Uh, so to honor his memory today here on The Bottom Line, I'm going to revisit my conversation with Dr. Michael Heiser about his classic book, The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Now here, part one of my conversation with the late Dr. Michael Heiser 
today here on The Bottom Line. Scholar in the fields of biblical studies in the ancient Near East with uh, graduate degrees in ancient history from the University of Pennsylvania, also Hebrew studies and a Ph.D. in Hebrew Bible and Semitic languages from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Did you have to do all of that in Hebrew? Well, when you, when you do the doctoral work in Hebrew Bible and Semitic languages, you, you are basically forced to take uh, courses in dead languages, all, you know, mm-hmm. as many of them as you can. I, I took about a dozen. Wow. So, you know, it, I liked it. So it wasn't like, you know, bamboo shoots up your fingernails or anything like that. But, <laughs> I was thinking more toothpicks to yeah, tooth holding your eyes open or something like that. Yeah. But as long as your instructors yeah. weren't saying Mao all the time, you're in good shape. Right. Um, yeah. This this book here is uh, something that, I mean, obviously it's not written lightly. I mean, you're, you're talking about a couple of decades worth of research and mm-hmm. basically focusing on something that a lot of us, I think we, we kind of tap dance around, toe in the water, but we really don't dive into, and that is the unseen world of the supernatural. Uh, why, yeah. why, why was this such an important area for you to study? Well, you know, I, I say some things in the book that are that are pretty provocative, and let's be honest, I mean them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. You know, and one of those things is that, that Christians tend to be selectively supernatural. Mm. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, we, we embrace the idea that, okay, there's a God, there's the Trinity, there's the deity of Christ, you know, and all, all this sort of, you know, these fundamental ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I do as well, obviously. But we tend to shy away from lots of really weird, strange passages. You know, the, the Old Testament, the biblical worldview, let's just widen it to the New Testament, is a lot bigger than God, Trinity, angels, demons, and Satan. There's just a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. But we are sort of trained to define the supernatural world as only the Godhead and then a villain or two, you know, mm-hmm. demons and, and Satan. Yeah. And if, if you do that, you really miss a lot of what's going on, in, in, not only in the writer's head and, of course, in the content of your Bible, but when you strip out or neglect or sort of just turn the other way, uh, not look at the supernatural stuff in the Bible, you miss a lot of the interconnections between the Old and the New Testament, and really, you know, how that material connects with more familiar material as Christians. I, in, in the book, what I actually argue in the book, I go from Genesis to Revelation, and I present the Bible for what it is. It is a supernatural epic. You know, think Lord of the Rings yeah. in, in Bible style. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's what it is. It's about the inter- intersection of God and His heavenly host, the way God looks at them, the way He tasks them, uh, the way He talks about them. Th- those things are a template for how God looks at believers, human believers, and you know, his, his human family versus his divine family, and how he you know, tasks them with mission, how they participate, how we participate in carrying out you know, God's decrees on earth. It, these things are a template, and, and all of the weird passages in the Bible, like Genesis 6, 1 through 4, you got Psalm 82, you know, just, there's, there's dozens of them, and I, and I hit them all in the book, but they all matter. They all actually have a role to play in biblical theology, framing out this template of how the supernatural world is, is again, this kind of mirror image to our own world, how they intersect and how one informs the other. And we really miss that because we're not ancient people. We're not predisposed to supernaturalism mm-hmm. like they were. We are the product of the Enlightenment. We, we are essentially Christian skeptics or Christian rationalists. And, and my argument is, hey, what's so normal about the Incarnation? 
Mm-hmm. What's so normal about the Trinity? You know, the, the, these things that we accept without even thinking about them, because to not accept them would make the conversation about being a Christian kind of silly. Yeah. But, but why do we accept those things and not these other things, these strange passages? You know, First Peter 3, why does Peter mix the flood? You know, the, the angel that sinned, the, the spirits in prison, baptism, the resurrection, what did he do? Just like, say, i got a chapter to write today, I'm going to throw all these ideas in a blender, and this is what <laughs> right. comes out. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, there, there's a logic to everything in and about that passage that is informed by certain things in the Old Testament and informs other things in the New Testament, but you lose the logic if you don't assign a supernatural reality to the threads that are intertwined in that passage. Uh, and they were, they just, they were okay with that. Hmm. We're not. We, we invent ways to rationalize sure. our, our way out of certain passages, and, and we lose a lot of, of what Scripture intends us to know. Dr. Michael Heiser is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and this is a fascinating conversation. You can read his book, The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. There's a link up for it at thebottomlineshow.com. I think you answered my next question, but I want to frame it again. How did we get to the point, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, even the early Church was still operating in this? And when you mentioned 1 Peter 3, I thought, you mean we can't just jump to verse 15? And then just say, which I think a lot of us do, right? You know, always be prepared to give an answer. That's great. Oh, wait, yeah. but leading up to all that is a bunch of stuff that we kind of yep. look at it and read over it, but we want to get to the, you know, God has a divine plan for your life, and this is how to have a good, good marriage. And that's kind of where we've, what we've kind of uh, watered it down here, especially in American Christianity. Yeah. The Enlightenment and beyond, I mean, has American Christianity ever really understood the supernatural properly? Well, I think my, my subtitle kind of, reflects my opinion, you know, recovering <laughs> the supernatural worldview of the Bible. That, that suggests that I believe it's been lost, and I do. I do believe it's been lost. And again, you know, I've actually seen, I've actually been in church services where that, that purported to be expositional. We're working through the book of First Peter, and, and literally, I mean, I've had the experience of when they get to First Peter 3, those first 14 verses, the guy just gets up to the pulpit and says, I'm sorry, but we're going to skip this. It's just too weird. I really don't know what it means. Wow. You know, I've actually seen that happen. I, I, I'm thinking, like, just take a stab at it. I mean, somebody yeah. might learn something. Well, I, I thought Revelation— read, I thought Revelation. Yeah, I, th- I thought Revelation was the Bermuda Triangle for most churches. <laughs> <in> terms, <laughs> no. so I didn't realize that, you know, when you were talking about these things, about yeah, you're right. There are there are places that, that we can read, but almost anecdotally. Like, I, I hope that yeah. doesn't get on me, you know, as opposed to what do you do with this? And yeah. it's, it's, there are a lot of reasons for this. Um you know, the first thing that we need to realize is that if, if we don't read the Bible, again, through supernatural eyes, we are not reading the Bible with the Israelite in our head. Mm-hmm. We are not reading the Bible with the first-century Jew in our head. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're not reading the Bible from the perspective of the people who wrote the thing. Yeah. The people God chose to, to give us this thing we call the Bible. It, so we need to get serious about context. Everybody wants to talk about interpreting the Bible in context, and typically what, what someone in the pew is, you know, takes away from that is, oh, okay, you know, I, maybe there's like a, a clay pot out there somewhere that I find in this Bible passage, or maybe he's talking about the first couple verses before the one I'm reading and then mm-hmm. a couple verses after. That, that's context. Well, you know, that, that, that's part of it, but, but context is really worldview, yeah. you know, when it, when it really comes right down to it. And the right context for interpreting the Bible is not evangelicalism. It's not Catholicism. It's not the Reformation. 
you know, it's not just fill in the blank. It's not the early church fathers. Even the early church fathers were like a thousand years removed from the Old Testament period. And you can literally count the number of church fathers on one hand who could read Hebrew. Mm. I mean, they, they are divorced from context. They are divorced from the language. And why, why are we doing Hebrew word studies if Hebrew isn't important? The church fathers couldn't do it. You know, it, it, you have all these disconnects that are sort of the circumstances of history. And the people that we look to, uh, you know, I think rightly so, as, as good examples of perseverance and guidance of the Church at, at any given period, you know, the, the people that we trust as our leadership, we have to realize their limitations. And, and we're fortunate today to have access to just a truckload of material that will actually help the Israelite to live in our head. Mm that will actually help, you know, the first-century Jew live in our head. I like to use the illustration of, of like, a small group Bible study, since we've all been in these things. Mm-hmm. You're, you're there we are, sitting in a circle, and we're talking about a verse or a couple of verses, you know, you go around the room, well, what, what, what do you think this means? How does this speak to you? You know, what, what, what do you get out of this? If there was an Israelite sitting in that circle, when you got to that guy, his answer would freak you out. <laughs> yeah. Okay? I mean, it would be unlike anything that you had heard to that point. Why? because he's a fruit loop? No, it's because he is 2,000 or more years removed from you, mm-hmm. and, and he comes from the context, the insider context, that produced this thing sitting on your lap called the Bible. But we are actually taught to not think that way, uh, because, again, our, we have a lot of our, our pastors, you know, they go to seminary or not, I mean, they're, they're dependent on you know, they only have a certain amount of time, to be honest with you. you know, they, they read certain books, and they, they do the best they can, you know, with the tools that they have. And a lot of times they're never exposed, they're never encouraged, you know, to go out and, and try to, again, think like the Israelite and so on and so forth. And, and only, only a percentage of what they're able to teach us, you know, will get passed down to us. And it, it just gets diluted, and it's generation after generation after generation. But instead, the pastoral task becomes, and, you know, there's a certain merit to this, it becomes perpetuating the faith, which is typically defined as a particular subculture or a mm-hmm. particular denomination or whatever, right. but the core ideas. And and I, I, I've i been both applauded and, and yelled at for saying things like, I think that the pulpit ministries around America, the ones that, that really are trying to be serious, I think they routinely underestimate the appetite of the people in their church for content. Mm. Okay, Sunday school should not be forever. It's good, but it shouldn't be forever. And, and what I'm trying to do in Unseen Realm is I'm trying to, again, get the Israelite to live in your head in, in terms of a supernatural context, get the first century Jew to live there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to treat all the supernatural passages seriously. I'm going to build the matrix for you. I'm going to show you what these passages, how they would have been read by an ancient person predisposed to a supernatural worldview, and then take that reading and how it connects to other passages. It, it, there's really no magic to this. Everything in the book, you know, the dirty little secret of Unseen Realm, is that nothing in the book is unique to Mike. I didn't invent anything. It, it is peer-reviewed, high biblical scholarship put into just plain language and for anybody who cares. 
Well, and which should be all of us. I mean, when you get right down to it. But, I mean, obviously, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Uh, Dr. Michael Heiser is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. And we've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break here. And as we continue, uh, zero in on a couple different portions of the book. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, a very, it's, it's not recreational reading. Let's put it that way. I mean, this is definitely a study text. But I think it's critical, and especially pastors who are listening to this conversation right now, uh, give yourself another 10, 15 minutes to let this wash over, you know, and just and sink in mm-hmm. and say, it's okay. <laughs> the, the theology of the weirdness, you know, that, that happens in the Bible, and uh, well, we're all going to think like Israelites. So more of this conversation with Dr. Michael Heiser in just a moment, talking about the unseen realm today here on The Bottom Line. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, today here, kind of a bittersweet day here on The Bottom Line Show as we are remembering the legacy of Dr. Michael Heiser. Dr. Heiser uh, was recently diagnosed with a, a very aggressive form of pancreatic cancer, and uh, he entered into the arms of Jesus last Monday, um, at the, just a week after he turning 60 years of age. Uh, this is a guy who earned a master's in ancient history from the University of Pennsylvania, earned his MA and PhD in the Hebrew Bible and Semitic languages, and uh, also man, minor in classical studies. His classic book is called The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. And to honor his memory, today here on The Bottom Line, we're revisiting my conversation with Dr. Heiser about this book that came out four years ago and was hugely popular with our Bottom Line show listeners. We have two copies of the book to give away, and I'd love to place one in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. To see a man like Michael Heiser serve God so well for 60 years and then suddenly uh, to not have him with us is uh, just a testament to the times that we're living in. I don't believe that he got home late. I don't believe he got home early. He's right on time with the Lord. But things are moving so quickly in the unseen realm, and now we're seeing him made manifest in the the seen world. don't discount what God is doing behind the scenes in the supernatural. Remember where the real battle is. It's not with flesh and blood, but it's with the principalities. And Dr. Michael Heiser's legacy is a testimony to that. Living life in the unseen realm. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, is uh, waiting for you. On the other side of this break, for those who remain on the network... the conclusion of my conversation with the late Dr. Michael Heiser. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. Parts of this new book that we're talking about, and it's well worth it. it, This is, the book is called The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible, and not just for pastoral staff, but I mean for those of us Mm -hmm. in the laity as well. Uh, We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we were talking in the earlier segment, Dr. Heiser, about kind of helping us think like Israelites and, and not be freaked out by things that are kind of weird, that are in, I mean, I don't know how else to describe them either. Um, talking about the Word of God in that context, I mean, we, because I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, the Word this, the Word that, based on what we already know about it, but it's living and alive, and I don't think we really begin to understand the half of it. Yeah, let, let's just, you know, I, I, before we, we jump to that, I would encourage people, go read the reviews on Amazon. I mean, we're pushing 650 reviews now, you know, 85% of them are five-star, 95% are four-star or higher, but most of them come from lay people. Mm. And and it's not marketing shtick, you know, to say, you know, if you read Unseen Realm, you really will be reading your Bible again for the first time. And I can say that because that's what happened to me. 
Uh, this book is an outgrowth of, of things that I discovered in graduate school and committed myself to learn and, and even more importantly, committed myself to transmitting to lay people because you, you're just not going to hear this stuff in church. And people can, can do a really good job of Bible study and teach themselves, and, and you know, it, you'll, be, you'll be rewarded for your effort. But let, let's go to an example. Okay, the Word of the Lord. This is this is a phrase that occurs a lot in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, "Blah blah 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 yeah, blah." Okay. okay. Now, most of the time, you know, this is just you know either like a, a message through a dream, or we're not really told how the word of the Lord comes or anything like that. But there are times when this phrase intentionally describes God appearing as a man in the Old Testament. And God is man in the Old Testament. I actually spend three chapters on different phrases and different concepts in the Old Testament that show God as a human being appearing as a man in the Old Testament. This, of course, is the precursor to the Incarnation. But the Word of the Lord, 1 Samuel 3, this is the story of little boy Samuel. How many times have you heard this in Sunday school? Right. Okay, now, the boy Samuel, this is the first verse, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, if we stop there, you think, well, you know, very few people had the voice in their head, you know, like the prophetic call. No, Mm -hmm. that's not what it means. Finish the sentence. There was no frequent vision. I would suggest to you, profound thought number one, visions are things you see. (laughs) Yes, Uh, right. That (laughs) makes sense. Visions are things you see. You know, and we get the story about how the boys, you know, they're, they're trying to go to bed, and, and the Lord calls out, you know, Samuel, Samuel, and mm-hmm. Eli finally figures out, hey, it's not me, it's not you, it must be God. Yeah. So if it happens again, you know, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And, and, we, and we, we do, you know, we read that, and Samuel obeys, and you get to verse 10, and it says, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times. Now, mm-hmm. again, profound thought number two. If this is invisible, if it's just a voice in the head, why would it be described as standing? Invisible things don't, don't stand. stand, right? Okay, you know this. This is anthropomorphic language. The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, and he has a conversation with Samuel. You get to the end of the passage, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Well, how they know that? Verse twenty-one. And the Lord appeared again, the Lord, divine name, Yahweh, appeared again at Shiloh. So this is Yahweh himself. So the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by, or as you could translate it, the word of the Lord. Appeared. He revealed himself. He appeared again at Shiloh. The Old Testament is actually filled with God as man in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 1, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah's call. He, Jeremiah refers to the word of the Lord as Yahweh. And then you get around to you know, verse 9, it says, And the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. Again, this is a visual experience. In this case, it's a tactile experience. This is the kind of thing that I have found when you're talking to Jewish friends, mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses, this sort of thing. Look, you don't even need to go to your, old, to your New Testament. You can show them God as man in the Old Testament. You don't even have to depend on the new. God is man in the Old Testament. The angel, angel of the Lord, is part of this. Why is the angel of the Lord special? Because, to quote Exodus 23, verse 20, verse 23, you listen to this angel because, quote, my name is in him. 
Okay, the name of the Lord is another way of referring to God himself. If you have mm-hmm. a Jewish friend, a lot of times they won't use the word Yahweh. They'll right. say Hashem. It's the name. It's, it's a reference that comes right out of the Old Testament mm-hmm. to God himself. Well, that verse is saying God is in this angel. It's, it's a human appearance of Yahweh. And later on, when, when uh, Jacob is blessing Joseph's children, he, he, has, he has a three stands of prayer. This is Genesis 48, 15, 16. Look it up. Jacob prays, may the God who, you know, blessed me all my days, may the God who protected me from all harm, and you expect the third stanza to be, may the God who, whatever, but it's not. It says, may the angel, and who kept me from all harm. And here's the kicker, the verb that follows is, is singular, may he bless the boys. Hmm. It doesn't say may they, it says may he. And I've actually had a Jehovah's Witness standing on my doorstep, and I, you know, get in a conversation. Are you sure Jehovah's not an angel? Are you sure? Yeah, you because know, mm-hmm. they want to say Jesus is just an angel, right? Right. You know, and try to argue against the deity of Christ. Are you sure? You know, you, you lead them down the path, and I show them Genesis forty-eight. And I say, look, either either God Jehovah is an angel, or this angel happens to be God. Hmm. And then you start taking them to other passages and how the New Testament repurposes those passages, and they sit there like they're stunned because that's not in the script, right? And Genesis 48 is not in the script, but you know, again, this is a, just a quick illustration of something that's familiar to us as Christians, but it actually has deep supernatural roots in the Old Testament. I'm talking with Dr. Michael Heiser today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his brand new book called The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and Dr. Heiser, as you were sharing, you know, the word of the Lord and the way that all progresses. I could see where the tension would lie for a lot of people in that, not that necessarily the script per se, but there are certain parts of God, the God experience, the gospel, whatever it mm-hmm. is, that we do hold on to. And it's there's that thought, I, I will use myself as an example, having born and raised in California, you know, having a Western American mindset, the, all this stuff was settled, Right? I mean, how many times we'd say, well, isn't it great that we have Scripture to go back and refer to, but these guys didn't. Isn't that incredible? Without <laughs> once thinking, wait, but that supernatural real revelation from God, is st- why would it stop? Is that, how, how, do you, how do you explain what's happening now in the world? I mean, obviously for us it's just reading Scripture. I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing visions, mm-hmm. but I know other people are. God's using dreams and things to bring uh, folks out of Islam and into, into faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't come from a, a charismatic orbit, but I, I have learned, again, because both because of Scripture and, again, because, uh, you know, personal you know, acquaintances that I, that I feel I can trust, and when, I, when experiences today are, are analogous to uh, what happens in the Bible. And that means more than just the event itself. That means mm-hmm. the context is the same, too. Yeah. But I have learned to, to not put the words God and can't into too many sentences. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, my, my, my view of, of, you know, my view of spiritual warfare is kind of different because, again, I'm, I'm rooting my thinking in the Old Testament, the ancient Near Eastern context of that, which ultimately informs the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But God will, He is free to step into uh, a human circumstance. And I think you brought up good examples. When you have a context like, you know, let's say some, some Muslim guy you know, meets Jesus in a dream, and Jesus says, I'm, I'm the Son of God, believe in me, go start a church. And he does it. And, and you know, the, it's very evident that the gospel is preached, people come to the Lord, you know, and they do it at great pain, great cost. You know, just like the, the context of the book of Acts, there you have a context that's, that's the same. God has to break through mm-hmm. 
And he will do that. He will break through to, to create that spark, you know, and, and to get people scriptural thinking and eventually, you know, the scriptures themselves. But he will find a way to redeem the unredeemed and the unredeemable. You know, God will just do that. And so you have similar circumstances to what's going on. But, but again, if, if we're sort of trained to not see those things or we get scared by abuses mm-hmm. that yeah. go you know, on today, then, then we sort of filter that out of, of both our experience and Scripture itself. But the Bible is actually full of that kind of thing, and it has its own logic. Uh, the spiritual gifts, for instance, they, they were not just to validate the message that, hey, what, what these, these, these guys running around Jerusalem at Pentecost and after, and later Paul, they're not just running around here you know, doing these miraculous things so that they get an audience, and, and, and we know that, okay, this guy was a Jewish Messiah. No, it's actually there to validate a whole set of ideas. In the book, I talk about cosmic geography, and this is the idea that the Babel event, and how many times have we heard that story? Right. But you never hear it taught from Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, when the Most High divided up the nations. Well, we kind of know when that was. That was Babel. He divided them up according to the number of the sons of God, but Israel is Yahweh's portion. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. God punishes the nations at Babel. He assigns them to lesser gods, to other members of the heavenly host. He, aban- you know, he divorces them. Because I, I'm, I'm no longer going to relate to you as people. I'll get back to you because mm-hmm. you know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to have my own portion. I'm going to go over to, to Or and I'm going to call this guy Abraham. I'm just going to pick him out here, and I'm going to reveal myself to him. He's going to believe. You know, and out of him, I'm going to create a nation. And then it's through that nation that the rest of you guys are going to come back to me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the plan. But you're going to be punished for a while. But in the meantime, I'm going to I'm going to give you what you want. You don't want me to be your god. You know, humanity was in rebellion and battle. Fine, we'll see how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he actually assigns, you know, the, the the biblical terminology in Deuteronomy four, Deuteronomy seventeen, Deuteronomy twenty nine, is God allots them to other gods and other gods to to those nations. This is the Old Testament explanation for why the nations worship other gods and and how that goes wrong. How that how that steers them away, you know, from Yahweh when it, it wasn't necessarily supposed to work that way. But you have divine rebellions. Psalm eighty two is about the rebellions of, of these other gods and how God's going to punish them for for leading Israel and their their own populations into idolatry instead of ruling them justly according to the good laws of, of Yahweh and bringing them as Paul says in Acts seventeen that this has something to do with the seed of Abraham bringing the nations back. You know, there's a bunch of ideas. Obviously, this is kind of a mind dump here on, yeah. on, on your show, but there are a bunch of ideas that explain the circumstances of the Old Testament, that Israel was Yahweh's dominion, and everybody, everywhere else is under dominion of something else, and it ain't good. You know, and, and, and you take that, and you, you, you transmit it to the, to the Book of Acts. There's a reason why we have the nations listed in Acts 2 that we do. There's a reason why the list moves from east to west. Okay, there's a reason why you keep reading in the Book of Acts and it talks about Samaria, and Azotus, and Damascus. All of these places are connected in some way with the disinheritance of the nations at Babel, and they are being progressively reclaimed. You hit the Jewish areas first, then you get the Cornelius, the conversion of the first Gentile, mm-hmm, right. you get the call of Paul, Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles, and then Paul takes the mission to the rest of the nations that were listed in the Table of Nations in Genesis 10, the ones that were divided at Babel, and it's his mission to take the gospel to every place. And the last place he intends to go, if you read the book of Romans, 
is he says, hey, it's going to be great to see you guys. I wanted to, wanted to see you guys for a long time, and I'm here in the Devin's Barnes now, but hey, we're going to get there, and I can't wait to see you. But I just want to tell you that I'm not going to be there long because I'm going to visit you before I go to Spain. He said, well, who cares about Spain? Does Paul like tacos or something? I mean, <laughs> you know, who cares? Well, yeah. Spain was Tarshish in the Old Testament, and it's the westernmost point of the nations in Genesis 10 that were disinherited. Hmm. Paul knows that his mission is not complete until he gets to Tarshish or Spain. He is driven by this, this notion. But you miss all of that if you don't notice Deuteronomy 32.8, assigning the nations to lesser gods, and how that works in the Old Testament. And you, 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 it's just gone. It's vapor. You never run into it. You never see it. You never see the logic. It, this relates to why, why Christians are expelled in 1 Corinthians 5. They're, quote, delivered unto Satan. Or Satan's out there. It, it, he's not on holy ground. Right. Okay, you, you kick the, you know, in the New Testament, the, the church, the believers become the place where the divine presence dwells. That's holy ground, not just geography of mm-hmm, Israel. Right, right. And so that's where sin goes. It goes outside the community. It goes outside sacred space. So Unseen Realm covers a, a, a huge number of these topics, and they're not disparate. They are all interconnected. And I, and I show you how to connect them, what the logic is from Genesis to Revelation, on, on all sorts of threads. I, I would I would illustrate it this way. You already know lots of data points if you're a serious Bible student, but you don't have the framework. You don't have the the mosaic. You don't have the the puzzle box lid to cheat off of. <laughs> right. When you reass, when you reassemble the coherence of the biblical narrative, the epic story of the Bible. That is what Unseen Realm will give to you. I will, I will build a mosaic for you. I'll build a matrix. You know, whatever analogy helps. But, but there is a connectivity to it all. But the glue that holds it together is the supernatural worldview. And if we don't embrace that, we're never going to get to what it's supposed to look like. What a fascinating conversation, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh, Fifteen plus years worth of research, peer-reviewed uh, reporting here in this brand new book, *The Unseen Realm: Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible*. I think it'll be a real game changer for a lot of people. I know it's been a real eye-opener just in having this conversation here with you, Dr. Heiser, about uh, what God is doing in the world right now in terms of the way we've studied Scripture versus the way, I mean, I think we've, we've got biblical worldview seems to make sense. Supernatural worldview of the Bible is a, is a whole new dimension for us, and I'm grateful, mm-hmm. that, I'm grateful that you've given us a blueprint here that is actually relatively user-friendly. You know, once you kind of get over the—I I envision the, the cartoon, you know, with the stars spinning around your head and everything. The first, <laughs> the first time you take a look at this and say, oh, my gosh, what a, what a fascinating concept, but um, how grateful that we are that we have this work that you've given us. Uh, the Unseen Realm is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's well worth the investment of your time and resourcing as well. Dr. Michael Heiser, it's been great to get to know you. And uh, look, this would make a really interesting broadcast sometime if we were like, I don't know, sitting at a baseball game up in the stands, you know, and in between (laughs) innings, we're having a conversation about this. And then all of a sudden, you know, five home runs in consecutive innings or something like that. Wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't that be wild? Uh, I look forward to it, though, sir. Thanks for the work that you've done on this. And thanks for being with me today here on The Bottom Line. Yep, thank you. And that concludes my conversation with Dr. Michael Heiser here on The Bottom Line Show. The book, The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible, was released in October of 2019. It was one of the first times I met 
Dr. Heiser, and uh, I was just very impressed with the fact that he, uh, this guy had the, the Naked Bible podcast. Um, in 2019, he had 5 million downloads alone of that book. Um, Executive Director, Professor of the Awakening School of Theology and Ministry at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, this book is still, the, the Unseen Realm, is still selling just remarkably well because so many people uh, you know, are, are looking at the supernatural. And Dr. Heiser was diagnosed in mid-January with a very aggressive form of pancreatic cancer. And on Monday, last Monday, Feb 20, um, he entered into eternity. I thought it was fitting to honor his memory today to uh, share this interview and uh, talk about recovering the supernatural worldview of the Bible because so many people have a tendency to, you know, kind of go verse by verse and just read it at face value. We have two copies of this book to give away, and I'd love to place one in your hands. The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible by Dr. Michael Heiser. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I want to take a look at why Dr. Heiser's work is so important to us right now in light of what God is doing with revivals and movies and uh, media and ministry. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all of them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him for guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Kind of a different movie Monday here on The Bottom Line. Uh, earlier in the conversation today, we had a, a dialogue with Roma Downey, of course, who played Monica on the great TV show called Touched by an Angel. Her book is called uh, Be an Angel, Devotions to Inspire and Encourage Love and Light Along the Way. We have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've been taking your calls at 800-227-5278 to win a, one of the two copies of that book we have to give away. Uh, last segment, we just finished up uh, my conversation with Dr. Michael Heiser, a conversation I recorded about four years ago. Dr. Heiser went to be with the Lord last Monday after a battle, a quick battle with uh, pancreatic cancer. He was 60 years old. And his book, The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible, has been really popular with bo bottom line listeners. We have a couple of copies here that we're giving away today. We'd love to get your calls at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Typically, Mondays are movie Mondays here on the Bottom Line Show. And Roma Downey did mention a movie that she and her husband, Mark Burnett, have coming out during the Lenten season. We don't have copies of that or tickets to give away, but we do have movies. Uh, we've got the Gospel of John DVD, which is a powerful witness. It's something you may want to show at your church during this Lenten season. We also have a couple copies of the Gospel of Matthew. 
Um, 800-227-5278 here on Movie Monday. If you would like a movie, we have them for you. We also have a three-pack of the first three Kendrick Brothers movies, uh, including uh, Facing the Giants and Fireproof. And uh, to get all three of those in one collection, that's quite a gift. And I encourage you to call 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Remember that all of those um, uh, those things we're giving away, they're free. We just have them and we want to share them with you. But they all point to, I think, where we are, where all the arrows are pointing right now in the culture. We see revival breaking out on college campuses and not just any college campuses. Asbury University and Asbury Seminary, the former Asbury College, has really started to lean left, biblically, spiritually, culturally, um, embracing critical race theory, embracing, uh, you know, little lenience on uh, sexuality and gender fluidity. As a matter of fact, one of the commenters who was posting on that said, isn't this great? There's students of color and there's women and stuff all in leadership and this is remarkable. Um, There's another Christian college in that same area, Union College, where the students tried to break out in spontaneous, you know, worship like the others. He figured there might be some copycats. And the president of the college shot them down, said, if you don't come up and, and, and file the right paperwork and let us know what you're doing ahead of time, basically you have to plan a movement of the Holy Spirit at Union College in Kentucky. Not so at Asbury or at Cedarville or at Baylor or at Texas A&M or these great schools that are having all these revivals. But I find it interesting that God is bringing about revival in places that have moved to the left of the Christian faith. Is that the Holy Spirit somehow putting his endorsement on what they're doing? Or is it possible that this is God bringing these students back into a right alignment with him? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a couple minutes left for you to get in on the drawing for the two Michael Heiser books. We have Dr. Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm, Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Of course, we're remembering his legacy today. Dr. Michael Heiser uh, concluding his battle with pancreatic cancer last Monday, uh, just a week after turning 60 years of age. And this uh, just airing the interview that I recorded with him a couple of years ago as a memorial to Dr. Michael Heiser and giving you a chance to take a look at this book because the unseen realm recovering the supernatural worldview of the Bible, I think is more critical now than ever before. 
before the break, I uh, offered the hypothesis that one of two things is happening in these revivals. And with a movie like Jesus Revolution, you know, talking about the birth of Calvary Chapel and what eventually led to the birth of the, 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 the vineyard and the Jesus music and everything, it just kind of opened the door for that. We're seeing revival happening in the land right now, but isn't it interesting that the revival has taken place or has taken place at Christian colleges that had kind of wandered away from what we would call traditional classical biblical Christianity and have embraced more of a progressive ideology. So the question is, what is the Holy Spirit's role here in this revival? Is it that the Holy Spirit says, yes, this is the way to go. This is what I'm blessing and you guys should keep doing what they're doing? Or is it a question of saying, hey, you guys are getting a little out of line here. We're going to give you this baptism of Holy Spirit fire to get you more in line. Well, I would look at what the Spirit is done historically. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. Take a look at what the Bible says about how the Holy Spirit operates. The one key that I see in the Asbury revival, I think, is something that we should be looking at as believers. And that is, it began with a student who offered a prayer of repentance. A prayer of repentance in the biblical sense that literally means if you repent, if you turn from your sin, Joel chapter 2, verse 13, rend your heart and not your garments, then you will see God. You will experience his forgiveness. The only way you can be a true and authentic Christian is to be a forgiving person and to receive the forgiveness for your sin. To be able to receive forgiveness for your sin, you have to be able to acknowledge that there's sin in your life. So ask the question then, is the progressive Christian movement encouraging more sinful behavior and does it need a recall? Or is it encouraging more godly behavior and we're just missing? Well, I fall back on Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 as my justification for saying it's the former, not the latter. And that is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that is in fact the case, then Christianity does not need to quote unquote progress to keep up with the times. Rather, we need to make sure that we are grounded and rooted firm in classical, traditional, biblical Christianity. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.